0: Hey, welcome back to Dumb Dive. My name is Arvind. I'm Pranav. And today I thought let's talk about metal culture. Like both of us, I think, have, I mean, like we grew up into listening to a lot of metal and it's just been a big part of us, especially as teenagers and and a bit yeah. after that as well. I guess like right now, <laughs> I don't listen to as much metal as I did back then, but just yesterday, I watched this movie on Netflix. It's it's just one of those like standard Netflix throwaway films, mm-hmm. like teenage films. It's called Metal Lords. And it just reminded me back to that and thought it would be great to record yeah. an episode about.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, Metal I still I still listen to so much of it. Even though like I, I don't think it's my primary or like I wouldn't I, I'd say I'm not as fanatical as I was about it in like high school and um you know, like a couple of years in college. But, you know, I still think metal's like my primary genre, you know, like like any time I have a bad day or whatever, metal just kind of you know, it's it's a it's a good feel good kind of um it's a feel good kind of vibe, which is weird considering, you know, the, the traditional outlook on metal is that it's really aggressive and you know, it's just blah, 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 with like heavy <laughs> guitars and you know, you don't understand anything. But I mean, I think I think it might actually be interesting if we talk about how we got into metal. Mm. Like like what was you know what was your <laughs> what was your metal origin story? What is my whatever, in? You know? Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. for
0: me, I feel like it came from my dad. Uh, yeah? like he doesn't listen to metal as such, but mm. like he, uh, I mean like, it, like you know like '60s type kid. Like he <laughs> yeah, listened yeah. to a lot of uh, Deep Purple. Pink Floyd, yeah. uh, <laughs> like Jethro Tell, uh, you know, the oh dude, yeah. the psych rock kind of phase that happened yeah, in yeah, the 70s yeah. and such. Oh, my dad and was so, exactly
1: the same. Yeah,
0: exactly. So like that, that was like, like, like very clearly imprinted as like his top mm. music choices. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, like before I had figured out what kind of music I liked, it was that kind of music from him, like right. standard top 40 chart music from my older sister, and then mm-hmm. just a bunch of random Indian stuff from my mom. And <laughs> for some reason, I just gravitated more towards the the rock side. Uh, mm-hmm. And I guess right, like like early 2000s, Linkin Park came in, right? So Ooh, that was yeah. where you just like started listening to something louder, but still like very mainstream as we were growing up. So. Right. I think, yeah, from there, just we all started listening to Linkin Park, go on to Slipknot, and then just like down the whole rabbit hole from there all the way until the weirdest, brutal, extreme jazz influence death metal or whatever we were listening to was we
1: Yeah, I think my metal story is like completely different though. Because, um, so, I mean, yeah, I listened to like Limbiscuit and like a couple of Slipknot songs, and you know, I knew of Metallica and you know, Iron Maiden and like the big bands. But, like, I never listened to them that much. I didn't have any of the songs on my iPod, nothing, for a long time. It was just, like, I knew of them, and once in a while, I'd, like, search up a YouTube video and listen. And then the, the way I got into, like, listening to metal as, like, you know, like, I became a metalhead, basically. Like, all I listened to was, like, different genres of metal and then like, adjacent genres and stuff. But the way I got into it was because I... I started off listening to, like, um, 60s rock and stuff the way, you know, like, like the same thing as you, uh, because my dad loves, you know, Eric Clapton and Jethro Tull and, and Deep Purple, all those, all those bands. And, you know, growing up every, like, weekend when he would be home, like, those, those would play throughout the morning. So, you know, that, that love kind of just naturally grew. Uh, but then, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade came along adolescence and everything and I felt a bit edgy so I got into gangster rap and uh hardcore hip-hop dude no all I was listening to was like DMX the Rough Riders um I think a lot of a lot of uh Pimp C and Bunby I'd got into Nas got into like a bunch of those kind of artists right this is like back in eighth grade kind of thing and then uh ninth grade I was listening I, I, ninth grade I moved from uh you know hardcore like like hardcore hip-hop and like gangster rap and that kind of stuff i moved into grime and then from grime i got into like um industrial and hardstyle and rhythm and that kind of stuff and i was listening to like a bit of that and then i don't know how like youtube recommended kind of you know it helped me out a lot where i was listening to like this weird industrial hardstyle thing that i just it was a mix, and I don't even remember the name. I don't remember who uploaded it. I don't remember the artists in it. Nothing. All I remember is it was very harsh, very dissonant, but super cool at the same time. And I was like, okay, this is something cool. This is something new. I can get into it. The next up on, like, the next up on YouTube recommended was Behemoth, "Off Fire in the Void." <laughs> and I mean, I was- <laughs> I have an
0: unusual like intro story to. Behemoth as well, but I'll let you finish.
1: Oh yeah, no, so this was like the first time, like, so I listened to that one song, and then from that day, like that day, I downloaded Behemoth's entire discography. This is like, this is like, before streaming platforms like Spotify and all were up, right? Yeah. So, disclaimer, obviously we don't encourage piracy, but I was a broke um, child in ninth grade, so I'm sure you can forgive me, you know? But anyway, <laughs> I, I downloaded the entire discography of Behemoth and I listened to it religiously, which is a bit ironic considering what they talk about. But anyway, um, yeah, so I listened to it religiously for like a month. And that's what got me into, you know, going out and actually getting into metal and exploring genres, exploring bands, getting into the culture, getting into the history of it, so on, so forth. Yeah, that was my interest in metal. You know, it was like weird industrial hard style that got me into like blackened death metal.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like oddly, like Behemoth was one of the first hardcore. Like you must be deep into metal to to know them types. I, I think uh, it would be like
1: one of your first extreme metal. You know, yeah, like that exactly. Entire umbrella. Yeah, yeah.
0: And the thing was the way I got it was equally unexpected. So uh-huh. I uh, like I found out about. Guitar hero at like the Uh the local mall arcade, (laughs) shout out to the city center. Right. Uh, And like, I played it a couple of times because I'm not going to like spend too much money at the arcade. Mm -hmm. And then I went back home and I I, I looked to see, can I play something like this at home? So I found like this rhythm game for my iPod Touch called. Is it
1: Tap Tap Revenge too? Tap
0: Tap Revenge. Oh my god. On that, (laughs) Like, they had this thing where every week they would give you a free song.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Holy shit.
0: Otherwise, usually you're supposed to, like, pay, like, a dollar to unlock a song. But, like, every week they would release, like, one free song. And typically, the songs they released were, like, uh, I don't know, Lickin Park, Daft Punk, Benny Ben-Nasi. You know, stuff you can sort of expect to see in a rhythm game. Right. Also, trending towards, like, the charting hits. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, there were two weeks that was just stood out to me in particular. Uh, one was where they had behemoths of fire in the void, and oh another one God. was when they had a guar song. I'm not able to remember the name. Oh right,
1: oh, I remember you showed me.
0: Yeah, and and then there was also this uh, uh, Streetlight Manifesto NoFX song. They just, like, came out of nowhere and just got me into a completely different mind space because yeah. I was just, like, focused on playing the game. But the thing mm. was, like, I was playing Off-Fire in the Void and just, like, grooving out so hard to it, like, trying to get to a million points and A plus, S grade, yeah. or whatever the thing, right? Yeah. And I- it's just, like, stuck in my head. And I was just like, oh, I need to know what this is and I need to find out more like it.
1: Um, but, yeah, dude. Like, I think Off-Fire in the Void is genuinely one of the catchiest songs I've heard, like, across genres. Because, like, it just instantly, like, it hooked me, you know? Yeah. Like, the beginning of that song, just, like, they're like, oh, wait. This is, this just, like, you know, it gets you. I, yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know it's, how.
0: Like, the thing was, like, especially back then, I wasn't, like, I, I didn't know the artist. I didn't know the context. Right of things. I didn't know what they were saying. So it's like a lot of things, especially like we'll probably get into it later with yeah. lyrical things and stuff that I didn't necessarily agree with, but it was just like in terms of songwriting and what I can call like like a soundscape that they built with the sounds. Where it's just yeah, like the soundscape. Layers upon layers of different things that are happening within the track itself, which was not something that I had been exposed too much to. Uh, until that point where it's just like literally adding sound effects purely to add more depth to the sound, more like a movie soundtrack, but
1: catchy. I think for me, I think the thing that really drew me into Off Fire in the Void was like, I, I mean, obviously I've listened, I had listened to some Metallica, some Iron Maiden by that time. It's not like I'd never listened to anything that was like metal in some way. But the Metallica I'd listened to was, like, Enter Sandman. The Iron Maiden I'd listened to was, like, Aces High and Fear of the Dark, you know? Like, the right. the most popular songs that I think most people who kind of have a cursory understanding of rock would have heard those songs.
0: Yeah. Like, I thought Kiss's Rock and Roll All Night was metal at that point.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. So I was like, okay, like, Metallica was kind of, like, the I think the, the closest, uh, like, metal i'd listen to because i was into like rap at that time rap and grime and that kind of stuff so i I mean when off fire and the void came in it was just like the immediate like aggression and the fact that they were using guitars in a way i'd never heard them being used before so it was like textural while at the same time maintaining rhythm and being aggressive and like getting stuck in your head it's like all of these things and like the riffs were way more complex than anything i'd heard from metallica and iron maiden at that time and i was like okay wait this is something entirely different and it, it got me into metal in a way like metallica and all just couldn't like they didn't interest me enough this band did and you know just i i i just i just like dived in after that and yeah i think i think i really really got into metal around like end of 10th grade like 11th ish is when like I became like a full-blown metalhead where like all I listened to day in day out was like different genres of metal nothing else was on my iPod for a long time I think (laughs) I don't know but also
0: like I kind of want to get into like what 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 is metal like what this yeah. is like a thing that uh, in the <laughs> metal Lords movie that I was watching uh, yeah. there's like I feel like it's a it's a very relatable uh, sort of context where there's one mm-hmm. guy who's like really into like wanting to make a band he knows how to mm-hmm. play the guitar pretty well he's really into the music uh, and like he he holds these ideals of metal like you know Uh, All the big bands, like, across time from, like, uh, Venom and Led Zeppelin to uh, whatever. Like, he's holding them all to, he's like, these guys are the ones who started it, like, Black Sabbath and everything, right? He has posters of them all around the wall. He knows everything about their lives and what they've contributed to the genre. And then there's this (laughs) other dude who just played drums for the marching band, who's just, like, sort of influenced by this guy because he protects him from bullies and stuff like that. Mm to get into metal because that dude was just like so into it. These other guys just like kind of like, okay, I'll also try listening, I guess. Like, I don't really know anything about this, but like, if you're into it, I'll, I'll give it a short time. And, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, He keeps questioning, like, like because uh, the guy who's really into metal has like a very clear image in his mind what is and isn't metal. And that's something you'll see very often, especially in that era of like, uh, metal, true metal type attitude where, like, everything was very clearly either it was metal or it was not metal. And people who were, like, metalheads were really, really adamant about that. So I just wanted to ask you, what makes metal, metal?
1: I think, actually, for me, even though I would consider myself a metalhead, it's like, it's weird, because I don't have, like, a super fixed definition of what is metal or not. I mean, I, I guess I did like uh, when I was just getting into it, which is honestly the super paradoxri- paradoxical/slash contradictory.
0: Yeah, could you go into both what back then you thought metal was, and how it's sort of changed now?
1: So I think the way the way I looked at metal back then was okay. You need to have so so to take an example of like a genre in metal, right? So. There's, there's a genre called thrash, which is what Metallica started off as, which is what um, Megadeth, Anthrax Slayer, like the, the big four kind of started off as. And it's usually super aggressive. It kind of derives a bit from hardcore punk, but also a bit from like Iron Maiden kind of thing, where it's like a lot of galloping riffs, a lot of really fast drum work, and it's aggressive, it's fast. And more often than not, it's either very political or very violent like it's either about war and you know death and that kind of thing or it's about like the politics of you know the death sentence and you know that kind of stuff i'm 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 referencing like super popular songs by like these bands when i'm talking about the lyrical content obviously there's a lot more nuance a lot more diversity in the lyrical topic but for the most part it's like either super violence super dark or you know about like politics like it's 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 heavy music when you get into like some of the lyrical content, um. So, so like thrash is a certain way for me, and then there are derivative, not derivative, but there are like um, there are there are genres that really derive a lot of their um influence and a lot of their motifs from thrash, but then they take other parts from uh, different genres and kind of bring them together. These are fusions, right? So. Anything that was, you know, anything that was more leaning towards taking influence from hardcore punk versus taking influence from, like, um, these metal bands, such as Metallica or Iron Maiden and so on. Anything that was taking more influence from hardcore, I would immediately just say, oh, they're not metal. They're just posers, right? Completely... Completely close-minded of me. But, like, my thing was, there is a direct line of succession that you can hear in the music. And if you can't hear that, it's not metal. But now, I think, having listened to way more music, having, like, genuinely tried to open my mind to a ton of things, I think metal, the way I see it now, is it's it's about exploring these parts of, you know, rock, metal, uh, sorry, rock and all these other like fairly popular genres. It's it's about exploring aspects of them, uh both sonically and aesthetically, that you know, the the mainstream won't accept because it's too dissonant, it's too heavy, it's too fast-paced, it's too brutal. It it violates certain taboos about what's accepted in lyrical content, what isn't. Um and it all does that in the quest for self-expression, which is why I You know, I hold to it so much because, I mean, metal is really tough to get into. I'm never going to say it's, you know, I'm never going to recommend metal to everyone because I know it's like very tough to get into. And you need to have, you need to find your own stepping in point. And once you've found that, it's easy to recommend a, a ton of different bands. Once you have like your first four or five bands and you know, like, okay, I like these things about these bands. But without that, I don't think I could ever recommend anything beyond, like, some of Metallica's songs and some of I... Like, some of the mainstream stuff is what I could recommend to people. I can't recommend anything beyond that because they'd just be like, what is this, bro?
0: Yeah, same. Like, someone who's really not into metal, like, the closest things are either end of the spectrum. Like, either it might be, I don't know, say, Black Sabbath, where it's just, like, it's super safe, but kind of the general like basic vibe the aesthetic yeah uh, i mean you
1: can i think i could recommend like black sabbath maybe venom and uh you know like like some of the early bands like blue oyster cult and so on as well yeah those are pretty easy to recommend if you're into you know 60s rock in yeah. at any yeah, yeah, stage yeah. but or, i like, could go further at the down the very uh,
0: other spectrum like there are there are the current bands like Polyphia or Spiritbox or Tesseract, which, like, they're still kind of difficult for, like, like I, I don't want to say they're difficult to listen to because to me they sound great, but it's just difficult th- to th- exactly, like, get a hold of if that's the mm. first time listening to music like that. I
1: think they're super, like, involved listening because they, yeah. they make really complex, progressive kind of rock. So again, if you've been into King Crimson and you know Porcupine Tree and that kind of music, you can get into Polyphia and Tesseract um, and all these bands fairly easily, I think, because you'd be used to complexity, you'd be used to like those kinds of mot- musical uh, motifs and so on. I think the big the big problem though is not just like in that that kind of um, temporal difference; it's the the aesthetic difference that I really want to get into because that's what I think makes metal hard to get into. And I'm not just talking about aesthetic as in like the the kind of visual scene and the visual appeal of certain bands or the kind of um, imagery they use and so on. But I'm talking about the aesthetic of the music itself and what the music represents in certain ways. For example, I said thrash is supposed to be kind of fast and aggressive in some ways. And that's because it's supposed to be this this very punk um, outcry, you know? It's just rebellion, it's anger. It's why when Metallica and all released those huge albums like Master of Puppets and so on, they were in their like early to mid20s around that time. Mm-hmm. you know They were in the youth, they were like in that perfect place, uh, both in time and in the kind of musical scene that they grew up in they were in this perfect confluence where they could take all these various influences, make it their own, and kind of put their own anger into their words and their music and kind of show it out to the world and say, this is who we are. This is why we're angry. This is what we're fighting. Or this is what we think is important. And, you know, you should listen to what we're saying. It's not just dumb shit. Um, it's It's a kind of, you know, it's that kind of anger in Thrash. But when you look at other for uh, other scenes of metal, like um, you look at progressive metal, it's a completely different uh, um, outlook to music where it's about, you know, some bands prefer like technical kind of expertise. You know, they want to show how good they are at their instruments while kind of coming together as a cohesive unit, while others would go more about, OK, let's take a concept or a theme and see how how deep we can delve into it through a piece of music without lyrics without anything to go beyond mm-hmm. and even uh, even more people maybe like let's let's try and tell a story through an entire album right yeah. and there's so many different each genre has these has a few broad um aesthetic points that they, they that they jump off of and the problem i think or not the problem but like the trouble with getting into metal is that some of these aesthetics are so widely different from a mainstream aesthetic that like you don't know where to get in you don't know how to reference you don't know how to refer to it you don't have any reference points and you're just like okay how do i get into this you know
0: and in a way it's kind of also designed to be uh like anti-mainstream, it yeah. is a rebellious like subculture. Right, so, it's a
1: counterculture movement at the heart of it. Like metal exactly. is definitely a counterculture movement. Like, even um,
0: a- as popular as it got in the 90s, every time, yeah. like there's always like this thing that people who are super into metal would say, like like talking about selling out, uh, like <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, people who would only consider themselves a real metalhead if they're listening to if their favorite band has like less than 100 like fans. Right. Right. I, <laughs> mean,
1: I, I mean yeah 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 I think I think that's still I won't say that's still a paradigm but like when I was on uh, Facebook and in metal groups and like trolling metal forums and stuff to like get um to get recommendations to keep finding new bands like the the the, the, the biggest thing I'd find was oh the band's no good they sold out you know they they got a major label contract and I'm like but what's so wrong with that they get better studios they get better resources right
0: yeah but then <laughs> Uh, like one I remember like very clearly was when In Flames made this one one album oh, that, yeah. where like they used to be considered like real like you know like stalwarts they, of like of like I mean death they matches. were and I then, mean
1: okay I'm gonna be a nerd about this but like again In Flames you guys need to you, need, you no, guys need to kind of no, get why why it's, we're it's, saying they sold out it's not that they actually did <laughs> right. They changed their sonic style along with that album.
0: Yeah.
1: And and I, I think that's completely fine. As long as your sonic style is still, you know, cohesive. It's still like something that the band wants. And then able to make great music with it. That's my view now. Back then, when I was getting into In Flames, <laughs> I only knew of them as, oh, these guys and another two bands, which is Dark Tran- Tranquility and At The Gates, these three bands kind of started this entire scene of melodic death metal. You know, it's you know they they kind of started it from there, uh. And when In Flames changed their sound, as I was going through their discography, I'm like, wait, this isn't good. This is like mainstream, whiny, you know, that kind of metalcore. You know, it's not good. I came back to it two years later, and I'm in love with those albums. I listen to them more than the death metal version of In Flames, (laughs) right?
0: What, what basically happened, like, at least looking back on it, yeah. was that they grew older. They sort of like did not really particularly want to have the same level of aggression that they probably did yeah. like, in their uh, early 20s. I think it's completely fine. And they got better equipment so they could make their music sound like genuinely just like cleaner and better, well-produced. Yeah. Because yeah. Like, one of the like main aesthetics of a lot of me- metal... Uh, is that it is quite lo-fi. It sounds like it was recorded in your basement. Like it's, I mean, I wouldn't
1: go that far. I wouldn't go that far. But it's, it's it's supposed to be a lot more unpolished. You won't hear a lot of like the fining up that uh, yeah. studios tend yeah. to do for more mainstream projects. It's not that it's recorded badly. It's that it's recorded in a way that's supposed to be a little chaotic, it's supposed to be a little unrefined because you're going against that kind of polished, refined songwriting that the mainstream wants. You want your things to be like just purely visceral in a, in a, in a, in a sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but dude, I mean, it's a selling out thing that kind of... Um, so like I bought into it for a while while I was new to metal, which is the weird thing. Like you would you would think if you're new to a genre, you kind of... You don't care about what the others would be saying because you want to discover more. But mm. like, I kind of I kind of bookended myself um, with these things of like, oh, this band sold out after this thing because, you know, the popular consensus amongst a certain diehard contingent was that. It wasn't the broad consensus. It was just a very, 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 very vocal minority that said that. And I was like, okay, fine. Fair enough. But then... After a point, I think I just kind of grew up yeah. and developed my own brain. And I was like, wait, let me just give these albums a second listen without these biases in mind. You know, let me just like kind of give it a shot. So I think one of the one of those albums where people were accused in Flames of selling out was um, Come Clarity. And the other one was like A Sense of Purpose. Both of these are phenomenal, like um, alternative rock slash metal kind of albums. Like, the songwriting is great in these. So, I listened to them back to front over two days, and I was like, wait, why did I ever think this band sold out? Like, you can see that they're really trying to be artistically coherent. Their songs make sense, you know? There's like, they're very well written. And I was just like, what is this thing of selling out, man? Like, that's the same thing
0: we also had with Linkin Park, because, like, they were like, extremely creative artists and just wanted to do something different al- every album. Uh, yeah. It just so happened with their first two albums, they were, like, like perfectly on with what everyone seemed to be wanting, uh, think, which was that... I think
1: it's more that... I, I won't even say the first two. I think their first four albums genuinely were revolutionary to the sound of like mainstream rock and mainstream, um, what do you call it? Like the mainstream representation of rock and all these underground genres. Like Linkin Park was perfectly able to somehow capture all these things while maintaining aggression, while maintaining songwriting that would appeal to the mainstream masses.
0: Yeah. But like from, from A Thousand Suns, like I felt like I was hearing so much criticism for like, the sound changing, but like that's just something. Okay, yeah, I, mm. I, I, I don't want Actually, to get into I the get, same inflame, inflames discussion again. But they, like, they grow, and I just want to get into this whole like purist culture mm. that was so strong with think... with metal, and I, I feel like I see a lot of, uh, mm. like similarities w- with this subculture as with a lot of other just general communities. There is this yeah. sense that we seem to gravitate towards at some point when building a community at, like, yeah. it doesn't you always keep it happen. it tight-knit. You know? Exactly. You want to keep won't... it
1: tight-knit and small. And, you know, it, it feels like, oh, you haven't gone through the same experiences as us. You, you don't seem to know as much as us, so you aren't worthy of listening to the same thing or enjoying it at the same level. And it's like, no, man, come on. That's not true.
0: There's like this unwritten global understanding yeah. that somehow was being spread about what is and isn't metal. And yeah. I feel like almost anywhere you go for like the people who were into this subculture, you're probably going to get very, very similar mm. answers of what yeah. is and isn't metal, of people having like a pushback against uh, metalcore, which was like more of oh, the yeah. the, oh pu- the punk and hardcore influenced yes. uh, music that was coming out, like especially early 2000s type. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: So I've never felt I've never felt worse for being a purist than when I completely ignored metalcore, like because of the pushback, you know, because of the purist pushback saying, oh, metalcore isn't real metal. They're like, "Okay, fine. We'll take influences from elsewhere. There are some bands that took influences from like just mainstream pop.
0: Yeah,
1: like straight up mainstream pop. They used like beautiful synths and like these these very very, very tightly written passages that were like electronic and so on. There were other bands that brought in like clean vocals and had like beautiful stretches of just like clean singing and like very, very soft guitars, instrumental passages, all of that, which drew from previous traditions of like rock and so on and just brought it into this kind of kichidi, this kind of fusion of genres that they were trying to do that the purists didn't like and i'm like wait why why stifle expression by you know by being a purist by saying oh only these elements are allowed it's like it's like being a chef and you're not willing to experiment with new ingredients you're not willing to you know see if this cooking method might actually be more efficient or might give you a better end product by letting the meat proteins or letting like the the vegetables caramelize better develop a better flavor profile you know
0: there's something that i Try to dig deeper. Like I don't know if I'm stretching on why uh, the culture ended up that way so strongly, at least because you see that in any community. But I felt like in metal, especially, it was very strong. Like
1: I think it's, because I like think I in just metal. It's specifically that strong because of the counterculture. Because no, so like, at, at, I, no, no, no. Like at the heart of it, there's like an ethos to it. It's the same way with um, the straight edge movement or. Certain other, uh, certain other movements where it's not just um, a musical thing. There's like a political ethos that some of these uh, that some of these people actually believe in, and for a lot of them, it's like we are on the fringes of the system. We behave like we are on the fringes of the system. So you know, so freedom of speech is a lot more unrestricted. Like in when you when you go to like metal forums and shit, like people don't censor themselves they're willing to be politically incorrect because the entire point is this subversion of what the mainstream considers acceptable versus what they don't and this goes to this goes beyond music i think to like what the mainstream considers acceptable expression and what they consider politically correct what they consider all of that and you see this reflected in a lot of people who are purists like does
0: Another thing, though, that I, like, I just have this, like, feeling that the, this sense of, like, exclusionary, exclusionary thinking in metal sort of stems from some of the early big names that, that, that drove the metal culture, especially, like, the, like, you know, uh, Vaag Vulcan uh, from, like, Mayhem and stuff, like, who was, mm. like, I, not I... just, like, a big name in early black metal, but also like, one of the big names in the neo-Nazi movement, which, like, a lot of the thinking okay. is exclusionary. And I just don't know <laughs> whether, like, a lot of this sort of thinking comes from the fact that, like, the the community mm. that was building this musical uh, movement wanted to make, keep it sort of homogeneous and, like, people who uh. think like them and try to, like, right, keep right, out right. people who are coming from different cultures, and keep very out women, that kind things of, like that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: very similar to that kind of, neo-Nazi kind of ideology, which is, yeah. Exactly. But I, I think, okay, I want to make a very big difference. I want to make, like, a very, very strong statement there, which is I don't want to conflate the black metal scene with the metal scene. Fair I enough. I think, like, like personally... And, like, ethically, I think they are completely different. Because, okay, so black metal... Okay, now I have to get a bit more into, like, defining all these genres a little better. And just to show, like, what the difference is. Um, so black metal is what I, what I have said. Like, it's recorded in a basement with, like, really... It's supposed to sound lo-fi and everything. Because... At its very heart, it's not just a subversion. It is direct opposition and attack to mainstream culture. Like, it attacks mainstream culture in this very direct way. By being, um, you know, by being, like, actually satanic, talking about, you know, wanting to inflict self harm or wanting to commit murder.
0: And also doing and- it
1: and and also doing it that's what the black metal scene kind of got infamous for like burning down churches as a form of iconoclasm and heresy committing murder like there's there's a lot of like genuinely horrifying stories that came out of that scene and i think i want to i want to completely separate that from something like death metal where again very similar things of like lyrical themes of you know death gore very very taboo things but the way they approach it is like, you know, like, like exploitation horror movies or like shock movies, you know, like yeah. watching, uh, watching something like The Conjuring, for example, as a very tame example, or or watching like, um,
0: I would actually say uh, that there is a the very strong, like, similarity in terms of like, a, enjoying, say, death metal and enjoying a horror movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're completely similar, because a lot of these death metal bands, they, they tend to try and go a little over the top. Like, they make it, they make it so you can't take them, like, super seriously yeah. about, like, the gore and stuff. Like, there are other, there are some bands that, you know, they touch on philosophy, they touch on art, and, like, they do a, that's, like, again, a lot of diversity in lyrical genres or because, lyrical as themes. As with any art. Yeah, yeah, But I think stereotypically, death metal is kind of viewed as, oh, they talk about death and gore and, you know, serial killings and so on. Cannibal tops is, like, a,
0: Probably yeah. most well-known example of this.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, Hammer Smashed Face is like the the most uh, famous song, which is all about, you get so angry, you want to bash someone's face in. And in the lyrics, you know, they kind of describe the entire thing, you know? And and they do it in like, like open detail kind of thing. But it's done in this, you know, horror movie-esque way where you're like kind of, you know, it's not real. Yeah. You know, these aren't like real urges. You know, like, the singles don't really feel it. It's just like, oh, what if we thought about this and decided to make, like, a horror movie-esque song about it? And that's it. And it's enjoyment in that sense. Versus black metal, which I feel is more like true crime documentary, where these things are very real. And, you know, these guys kind of, some of them have perpetrated it. And you're listening to music that, you know in some ways, kind of idolizes um, or or, um, kind of pushes it like that. And again, this isn't all of them. This isn't all black metal bands or whatever. It's just that there is a large proportion that fall into this kind of exclusionary and very um, radical kind of... especially yeah, the
0: the early like gen one type bands
1: oh like, no, no no it still it still goes on now it's still like but it's uh, like, was... like
0: i feel like that's where it really like became oh, it massive. started that yeah, yeah exactly yeah,
1: yeah for sure for sure uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, especially in norway and stuff like there was a lot of oh man crazy things we would hear but uh, i mean there are definitely pockets of a lot of black metal from then until now that just do it yeah. for sonic aesthetics have there's a lot of Ill. bands that
1: do it just for sonic aesthetics yeah like there are some phenomenal bands that do it just for sonic aesthetic but the problem is like that scene has been overshadowed by the fact that these early bands were so radical and so so um criminal i have to say man yeah they like were. criminal in so many ways because they did commit. oh man like it's it's very disturbing stuff if if you guys want to know more there's a band called Mayhem and you should read up the history of Mayhem because yeah. they were, I think, probably the most, um, the most uh, right field of them all is mm. probably the best way to put it. Yeah. They weren't, yeah. It didn't come out of left field. It was all the way to the right for them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, dude, I, I think that that, that, that differentiation of metal scenes itself, you know, like, I, I'm doing it on the basis of personal ethics, but there are people who do it on completely other um, other criteria. And that's what, that's what I think makes metal so interesting to me, is that, like, yeah, there are certain, like, agreed-upon tenets, it, depending on which kind of subculture within the metal kind of umbrella scene that you fall under. Because yeah. there's, like, the purists, there's, like, the concert goers, there's, like, the casual listeners, and there's, like, the people who are in it only for the music. Yeah. You know? And depending on that, you will have a completely different conception of metal or a different way of, like, understanding what it is to be metal. And I think that's super interesting because, um, like, to me, one of the best embodiments of metal is this comic series called DC Metal. Not because it has anything to do with metal music or anything like that, you know? It's just the 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 tone of the comic the the aesthetic of it and the way the way it's drawn the color palettes used the the character designs they all feed into a lot of what i like about metal which is that the, these comics went against what um superhero comics were or are in the sense that you know it's it's usually about good triumphing over evil or it's about struggles it's about personal struggles and so on in this, uh, okay, and like, I have to give a bit of a spoiler spoiler warning because to show why it embodies metal, I kind of have to reveal a huge plot point. So, spoiler warning for DC metal here. But, so Batman is kind of known as, you know, this DC superhero who's like only human, but he stands with people like Superman and Wonder Woman as an important and like like essential part of the Justice League. Like without Batman, they couldn't have done a lot of things. So he stands as only human. So very often he's seen as like the linchpin of the Justice League because he ties them all to Earth. Mm. So what DC Metal did was they they took like different scenarios where Batman just cannot be himself anymore. He's no longer good. He no longer has this strict moral compass for whatever reason, you know? Uh like in one in in one um what if scenario, it was like. Batman's parents are killed, um, but instead of, you know, instead of de- devoting his life to fighting justice, he's just like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I He becomes like this embodiment of loss mm-hmm. in a certain way. And uh, he does this because the Green Lantern Ring appears to him, and like, he just overrides it entirely. Okay. Like he becomes his own, he becomes his own, like, source of power, basically. Just the sheer outpour of loss becomes his mm-hmm. power. And through this, he's able to, like, just demolish the world. Mm. There's another version where um, Batman f- is fighting with Ares, the god of war. And Ares, um, Ares uh, kills Wonder Woman, who Batman is in a relationship with in that universe. And Batman loses it. He kills Ares, takes Ares' uh, suit, becomes a god of war, and kills the entire Justice League.
0: Whoa.
1: And then there's another where uh, Batman infects himself with the doomsday virus to stop an evil Superman. And in doing so, Batman becomes evil.
0: That's like a lot of role reversal and just changes. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But in all of these, the constant thing is... The one hero who we consider like a linchpin of the Justice League, the moral compass, like like the the biggest thing about Batman, except for like these outlier stories, is that like the common through line is that he doesn't kill unless like I mean, unless he's not in his right mental state, he doesn't kill. Even when he has no choice, he would rather die than kill. Is like the is like his moral code. Cause his his feeling is that he's so on the edge that one kill will justify all others and he will just become the Joker. Yeah. He sees himself reflected like that. Right.
0: That's like, I think I that think... was something that you brought up. Like there was uh, some philosopher who.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. Nietzsche. You stare yeah, yeah, into yeah. the abyss long enough. The abyss gazes back into you.
0: No, no, no. Like you mentioned this thing where if anyone like breaks that boundary of taking a life after that, like yeah. the, the value of life sort of becomes meaningless. Uh-huh. Yeah
1: yeah yeah it slowly starts diminishing and so so batman has this super strong moral compass and what all of, what dc metal examines is what if batman lost that moral compass for whatever reason and he's in he's in this thing called the negative multiverse so there's the there's the in comic books there's this thing called the multiverse like you would have seen it in the MCU i guess yeah. which is like this is the cinematic universe which is still part of this big umbrella thing that marvel has going on with different time streams different universes where heroes have different like appearances and powers dc has very much the same thing and what the writers did was introduce this thing of the negative multiverse where in the in the normal multiverse you have heroes and villains and so on but the negative multiverse Everything goes bad. The world is always doomed to end. And like, like every bad thing that could happen to you will happen to you in the negative multiverse. So in this, it's like just constant pain and suffering for these various heroes in these negative multiverses. Mm. And then so they decide to come into the positive multiverse, which is like the normal thing that we read comics about, and wreak havoc on them to show them what it's like to live in their lives. And I think it that that kind of um, that kind of huge dichotomy, honestly embodies a lot of metal to me. Yeah. Okay. Not because not because you know oh we want to inflict suffering on the mainstream or whatever. It's not that you know that kind of negative to positive multiverse thing. It's just more like you are in complete opposition, which I've said before, but in a way where you actively subvert, oppose, and reinterpret what the mainstream has, what is, like, commonly accepted, what is commonly viewed as good, you reinterpret it or you invert it in a way where you use it as this counterculture thing. Either for fun, you know, like certain bands do. There's a lot of them. There's, like, there's this whole scene um, within a Grindcore called Porno Grind, which is entirely about doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. they so funny. Because it's, like, so over the top. You can't help but laugh. So they they invert what is... They take what's taboo, what's completely unspeakable. Like, you would never say these things in public. But they invert it. They make it super funny. And you can share it with your friends. It's like, oh, ha-ha, listen to this and read the lyrics. It's so dumb. Mm. And it's a great time. So there's that kind of thing. Versus other bands that really seek to hit at, like... Um, essential elements to the mainstream and say okay wait why are you listening to music that does this because it's so it's so cheap it's not good you know and it, it, it's these various ways in which we seek to bring ourselves up as voices that are equally um, equally important
0: mm.
1: yeah yeah I think that's, that's like an interesting way to, to, to look at metal Just through this comic book alone.
0: I feel like one sort of like common factor I'm seeing in a lot of different expressions Mm -hmm. of metal in media, uh, like whether it's different types of music or the comic book that you mentioned or just like art. Even metal lords, I think. Yeah, but I think like one very common thing is this intensity of emotion.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely.
0: this like extreme sadness or extreme anger or just like taking a specific idea and pushing it beyond what they think no one else has pushed, right? Whether it's yeah. just taking like like a mathematical concept and building music upon it as far as you possibly can to the point where it's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. That's like the sort yeah, yeah, of yeah. like like, like I might make it sound almost like a joke, but that's, like, how a lot of, like, prog metal bands do think, uh, where oh, it's yeah. just, like, I you're really, tool, like...
1: Tool is, like, the most uh, popular example of the mathematical thing you said, yeah. where they built an entire song on the Fibonacci sequence.
0: And, like, you can like, look up and, like, a b- online breakdown of it, like, they Mm. Lyrics will, will will like go through the Fibonacci series. The drum patterns will go yeah. through the Fibonacci series. Everything about it. Like Everything. the the, ta- the duration of the song and its different sections is in Fibonacci. Like yeah. it's just like those are the concepts where I just feel like like they take anything, whether it's right. it's an emotion or a concept or whatever that they're trying to communicate and express in the mm. in the media and just push it up a notch. Uh, same with the comics that you were mentioning. It's just you're taking this like intensity yeah. of of Batman's emotional state, and you're just pushing it beyond where they would normally do so. In, yeah, in the exactly, comics.
1: exactly. I think that's actually a, a super interesting point. Like that that pushing beyond limits, right? Because I think um, like like you talked about the the thing of uh, the Fibonacci sequence and like pushing uh, that to the extreme. I think the other thing is also just um, self-expression pushed to the extreme, mm-hmm. which is... uh, so, so there's a song called uh, Trapped Under Ice by Metallica, which is entirely about just you are being frozen alive. You know, you're trapped under ice. You're dying slowly of hypothermia and you have no way to get out. And it's just imagining a song about that and writing an entire song about the kind of adrenaline rush, the fear, the panic, like the the way you'd keep punching at the ice to break it so you could breathe. And, you know, like it's such a good song because of that, because there's urgency and that like the self-expression comes through the fact that these guys are willing to think about, okay, what if, you know, like how would we, how would we um, portray this, this the scenario? Like how would we make this a song where we embody the struggle, the horror of being trapped under ice, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A- and it's self-expression in a sense where most people would not consider that a songwriting material, you know? <laughs> like, I think the mainstream wouldn't consider it st- songwriting material. Even Black Sabbath, I think, would probably not write a song about that because they find it difficult to, like, embody it the same way. Yeah, And yet, like, Metallica found a way to write lyrics put it to a tune, put it to a tempo and make an amazing song out of it. Same thing with something like uh, Ride the Lightning or Hallowed Be Thy Name. Both songs are about someone on death row on their way to being executed or they're sitting in the chair, you know, waiting for the, the moment. And it's, it's all about like, how do you come to terms with the fact that you did something wrong and you're being punished for it? Or you know you are on this chair and your life is just going to end like right now how do you how do you rationalize it how do you make sense of it and and both songs approach it in a completely different manner where hallowed be thy name is like okay this is it so he's it's, it's all about acceptance and like giving your soul unto the lord for whatever it may happen kind of thing you know like it's acceptance basically mm-hmm. whereas ride the lightning is this like it's this defiant thing of, like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Even though, like, I did something wrong, I don't want to die. Like, this very primal holding on to life kind of thing. Which really fits that kind of aggressive, urgent nature of thrash. Yep. And it's the way these guys kind of use different aesthetics to bring out different messages. Even if they take the same miracle theme. And it's that self-expression pushed to the extreme, both in lyrical theme, as well as the ways they interpret those lyrical themes, the way they interpret musical motifs, the way they use things like dissonance, tritones, and like all these things that you do not see accepted in mainstream music. Like dissonance isn't a thing in a lot of mainstream music. Yeah. Like it's just not used, right? Because you want harmony. Yeah. Yeah and yeah yeah
0: yeah and i think it's yeah it comes from also like just generally a lot of people aren't looking for intensity in their casual music yeah. experience right like exactly exactly this is uh, like you need to be in a certain emotional state or be looking for a certain kind of uh energy yeah. that you can sort of like relate to like whether it's this extreme like like just like dispersion of anger that you just want like like uh, that's why it's i think yeah, exactly it, yeah. that's what you you said like it's sort of like oddly relaxing to listen to to uh, certain kinds of metal just because if yeah. you have that at least for us like when we have that intense stress or anger or sadness and just listening to music that just embodies it's this, not exact, this this yeah. need to just like scream out into the void like yeah. without oh you having to do that you're basically able to let that out in a certain way and yeah like I think
1: some of my yeah some of my best stress venting sessions are just me listening to death metal with my blinds closed, lights off and just like screaming into the void. Exactly. Basically.
0: And I, th- I think because yeah also like very close to that is one of the most like essential parts of the, the physical experience of listening to metal which is moshing and like head oh banging God, at, yes. at a concert Well, it's just like at least like, on the outside or like to experience it as well it's yeah. just it's basically a safe-ish sandbox to just like shout run around and run directions and bump into each other You're just you're just like physically letting out all that but the thing is, metal culture has also very, has understood There's that an just etiquette. Like, yeah, there There's is an etiquette to it. Like you, like yeah. the aim of it is just, you're trying to have fun. Everyone's there at the concert to have fun. You're not trying. You're matching the
1: aggression of the music. You're kind of like catharting and you're making sure like you are physically kind of enjoying the music. Exactly. But you don't, you don't want to harm anyone because that'll ruin their enjoyment as well. So the entire point is... It's bumper cars at the other. amusement park
0: rather than exactly, trying to exactly. like, destroy the other vehicle.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's bumper cars, man. You're just like trying to bump into each other and have a good time by letting your body just like be... Fiz- it's the adrenaline. It's the fat It's this... You're getting into what your, brain, your body assumes. Like yeah. your body assumes it's a combat situation because people are running at you, you know, and you're like colliding with them and everything. Your body assumes it's combat, but your brain knows it's not. So it's like this super rush of adrenaline that just heightens your music listening experience. It's so much fun. But there's like a really, really strict etiquette to moshing as well. Because again, you don't want to injure people. So no kicks, no punches. You don't flail your arms around because you could poke someone's eye out or like break a jaw if your, your elbow comes out. Like you can cause very serious injuries because you are running in these circles. You're not just like standing around waiting for people to run into you. You are running into others as well.
0: Yeah. And if anyone falls, the first thing is to like make space, pick them up, make sure they're okay. And like... And
1: then dig. Yeah. You keep going. That's it. But like, it's a thing of like, it looks like complete chaos from the outside. I think the first time my friends saw me at a mosh, they were like, yo, are you okay? What the hell is going on? Yeah. And like I'd broken a toenail, all of that. And I was like, bro, it's all good. This is the point. Yeah. You know, like it's not a serious injury. A toenail is like, whatever, it happens. You could it could happen to anyone while walking on a sidewalk, so I didn't care. Yeah. But like the point is, I went in to have fun at the concert. I went in because I knew it's like death metal. And I'm like, you can't you can't be passive while listening to something like death metal. It's just so much aggression and energy and just like it goes man it goes <laughs> so so you know getting into a mosh pit is literally like i don't think you can enjoy a metal concert without at one point experiencing the mosh and if you don't like it that's fine you can you can still experience it but like you need to like have that that one time kind of like oh this is what a mosh pit is like this is like the the k this is like the order inside chaos kind of thing
0: yeah I, I, and it's and
1: then it starts making sense to you
0: like one thing about Uh, enjoying, like, a lot of entertainment life. Like, I'm saying entertainment because I'm also thinking of both music and comedy and things like that. So, like, like when you're at home and just listening on your own, typically, we aren't dancing out entirely or, like, headbanging completely. Or if you're watching a comedy thing, you're not laughing out loud all the time. But, like, when you're in that live theater or, like, stadium experience and... Whether it's a a stand up comedian like saying jokes and you're just laughing out loud in like synchronicity with what's happening, it's no longer just in your head. All of you are physically a part of that moment. Like, so in a lot of typical music, you just like groove out and dance. Uh, In metal, it's very chaotic music. It's not like something you can just like like, have a slow groove dance to. So people just. have to like fi- like, like, it's like, it's it's like a sort yeah, of like yeah. natural like physical urge to be in line with what the music is telling you to do
1: but you also realize that the music is for fun yeah so you don't you don't want to like actually hurt anyone it's, it's, like, it's okay, just okay, a dance walk back with a couple. in a way is yeah, what I'm exactly, trying to exactly. say it, yeah exactly no no I agree with you that's what I'm saying like you don't want you don't want anyone to have lasting injuries you walk back with a couple of bruises you're like okay whatever it's a bruise who cares you know like that's the point. Like you embody the music or you embody the situation you're placed in in a live setting. It's also like the social element of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Because like moshing is incredibly social. I don't think a lot of people who watch them realize. It's it's this entire thing where you realize you're part of a community that's a niche that's underground and everyone here is here because they enjoy the same expression. And it's a, it's a social, communal feeling. And dude, you walk into a mosh pit and if you experience it, everyone in there has this huge grin on their face. I don't think I've ever been in a mosh pit where I've seen a person not smile. Like it could be the most brutal band on earth, you know? And it could be like this insane mosh pit, but everyone's smiling because the entire point is you're running into each other. You like play fight. You're not trying to hurt each other. It's just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. And and you'll have this huge grin on your face the entire time while doing it because you found a community that enjoys the exact same things as you. Even if it's not like at this micro level of like bands or certain genres that they listen to or like even political ethos and all of that. For those few moments while the bands, while a band is on stage mm. and the mosh is going on, everyone just is happy, you know? and it's beautiful to be a part of something like that it's it's like that concert going experience genuinely is why i've been into metal for as long as i have because it's just something that i haven't found in any other scene cuz like that same that's level it's like of a it.
0: rare almost like religious type experience when you get it right because it's <laughs>
1: Kind of. It honestly kind of is. I think it, I could honestly compare it to when my mom and my grandma, they go to like a lovely temple. They have this darshan and they, they enjoy this beautiful like ceremony, right? They enjoy a lovely puja and everything. Yeah. And they come back and they're so happy. And, and then a, my... It's the same, same
0: thing, right? When you're at that, yeah. like temple or like a mosque or a church where everyone there is there for the same reason and not... And the same it's the reason but like they come in there for slightly yeah. different reasons but they have a more or less similar set of beliefs it's like, aligned in purpose you're able to connect without ever having yeah. to like exchange a word or even eye contact you just know yeah. by, like physically being there in that presence and partaking in the same like social experience like it's a very yeah. very very similar thing and there's
1: it's very close I, I i don't want to say it's a it's a religious experience as much as like a, that, that communal experience, communal of being experience. In like a okay, ship.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah
1: it's like it's like it, it's like an iftar it's like iftar dinner or something like that you know where it's like the entire point is this shared sense of community where everyone's coming together for the same purpose you are there to have a great time and enjoy something yeah. to its fullest and so you partake in certain rites because that is that is the communal way to kind of experience it. And yeah, like I don't know, man. There's something about metal that even if I don't listen to it as much as I used to, like, I still don't think I could ever get metal out of my life. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a beautiful thing where if you find yourself getting into it, oh man, you're gonna have fun. You're genuinely gonna have fun.
0: I ha- I have a relatively like sad question to ask. Is metal dying? I don't think
1: so. Um, I don't think so at all. Uh, I don't think any genre can really die. I think it's just that that, that stark opposition to the mainstream that I was talking about is just no one cares about it anymore, I think. People who listen to metal just kind of don't care. They listen to metal because they want to. But I think that also takes away a huge draw for metal, which is the fact that it is the voice of, like, People who feel they, they don't have a say or who don't have power or, you know, they don't, they feel like they, they're they not in control. So they make this kind of music or they listen to this kind of music as a way to cope with that or as a way to express themselves and find a way to deal with it. And I just don't think that that, that kind of thing is there anymore, that kind of voice is there anymore. You know, because pe- people are finding other ways to express themselves and so on. So that, that very that very niche appeal of metal is dying. But I don't think the genre as a whole is dying.
0: I, yeah, because that's still... I feel like I'm a bit different. I feel like the, the appeal to metal isn't dying. But I feel like the genre itself is dying. But I feel like it will uh-huh. spring out as something fairly different but still sort of the same thing. Like I, f- I can feel things like say, I don't know, let's say hyperpop. Or like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That really heavy, like death grips kind of hip hop. Like I feel like yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. them do hit a lot of the same.
1: I think a lot of them actually are very metal. Yeah. <laughs> like I think I might, I might start like a riot amongst like purists. But I, I don't care about you guys. City Morg is pretty close to either punk or metal, dude. City Morg is really
0: close. Yeah, City Morg for sure. But I'm saying like, I, I, I don't know. Let's.
1: No no no, I, I get what you're saying. Like Sophie and uh, some of Charlie XCX's music, like a lot of people out of the 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 compu- what is it? PC music, PC music, music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 like a lot of them kind of embody the same ethos that we're talking about that comes from metal. Yeah. But say like a lot them, of the
0: PC music with the metal as like say the 90s and early 2000s and stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of their opposition was to religion and things like that. Uh perhaps yes. like pc music is more to say a lot of the common themes at least are uh, acceptance of sexuality of of yeah, race of gender norms of and so on gender roles like it's like slightly different yeah. topics different kind of music but like the general ethos is the same uh, no absolutely so i agree with like you on that. like that's I, why i feel like the the, the rock influenced metal mm. might be on the decline but i feel like that space that kind of music and subcommunity will sort of last despite uh, how music changes.
1: I mean, that's true. See, I th- I agree that they, these these groups, uh, these artists kind of embody the exact same ethos and the kind of self-expression thing that we were talking about. Like, I completely agree with that. I don't think there's any argument to be made. But do you think they hit that same visceral, you know, kind of um, outcry that metal kind of resonates with? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the, the thing of like, I don't know, like if I put on if I put on "Creeping Death" by Metallica, the only thing I can do for the next six minutes is listen to that headbang and just like shout along. Yeah. You know, I don't feel the same way when I'm listening to you know Death Grips or City Morg or any of these guys. They are very close and e- they're the same in ethos, but I don't think they have that same really really deep visceral pull. Mm in some ways cuz cuz it is a bit more um, I think I think the big difference is that these like a lot of the music coming out of like PC music and so on is digital and it doesn't have that raw feel hmm. for some reason it feels produced and polished right right like it's chaotic but it is produced and polished and it has to be
0: it's like you and might I even say it's like like the PC music concept is to be like almost over polished
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're doing it and they're appropriating it in a completely different way. And Mm. I think they don't hit the same space as metal, Mm. which is why I think the genre isn't dying. It's just that the appeal is dying because of these guys. Mm. Interesting. Because you now have other outlets for self-expression that are as niche, as like, or as difficult to get into as metal, as niche as metal, but they don't necessarily have that same... Visceral quality, you know, they're not as they don't sound as potatoey uh, in sound quality, is, is one way of saying it. You know, they sound more polished, produced, but they still have that same kind of um brutal form of self expression, you know, raw form of self expression. Yeah, um,
0: we need, we need see, some lo fi, very much not chill beats to scream your lungs out into the void, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. It sounds
0: like we need to start
1: <laughs> a 24 by a- 7 like, YouTube radio with this. Oh, man. I think there actually are a few 24 by 7. Um, yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, dude. I came across one that was a 24 uh, 7 lo fi Doom OST to slay demons to or something. Oh, my God. It was great. It was literally just a 24 hour, 24 7 stream <laughs> of. Um, the Doom, the Doom soundtrack being remixed in various ways. That's it. <laughs> it was pretty awesome.
0: I, I can't stop thinking about the fact that uh, because of like how, how much of the music now that we listen to is like digitally produced, like we don't have that, the music that doesn't perfectly fit the meter and music that isn't like exactly to yeah. tune and just like...
1: We're not finding imperfections as much. And yeah. I think that's why I love that's why I love metal. Mm-hmm. Like when I hear a mistake in a song, I'm like, oh, that that little like like when a song goes from like blast beats into um a half time breakdown.
0: Right? Yeah, they can fluidly change tempo. That's not something I- you would see as much with like completely electronically produced music. Because it's just and, pain. and
1: it's not just the changing tempo thing. It's the fact that you will hear a mistake when he's changing from a blast beat to a half oh, yeah, time. Yeah, no yeah. matter how many takes. You know, like one cymbal will like have a ghost kind of ride. It'll have a ghost note hit. Or like he double hits the snare instead of a single hit. Yeah, and-, and there's like all these small mistakes that just add so much character. Like that was like I think I think the, the best example is honestly the 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 breakdown in Megatsine. Easily the best transition I've heard. And you can hear mistakes in the drumming. <laughs> like it's not purely robotic. You can hear like some of the notes are like slightly off tie. Yeah. You can hear there's like flams when he doesn't want to like flam it. A flam is basically a double hit, like that's that's a flam. Right. I, I kind of hit it on my desk. I'm not sure if it's super audible, but yeah. Um, but like, you hear all these things and it adds so much character and in the end, it it builds to this explosive nature of the breakdown. Mm. And, and I don't know, a lot of those kind of qualities, I don't find that as much in, you know, in, in these other alternative genres even with like a, like a lot of
0: modern like current metal it's still like very they don't do it like you don't have yeah that yeah, a, yeah they don't uh, as much anymore.
1: They don't do it like they used to <laughs> they don't do they don't make them like they used to <laughs> it, it
0: might like it might sound <laughs> old head speaking but you No, you I you kind don't of have agree a very, you. very I, good point about the, the fact that there is a change in how music is being made now which has an effect yeah. on how it's uh, listened to as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we've been speaking about metal a lot and we've we've definitely given a lot for you guys to like think about, listen to, maybe explore if you want to. I, I would honestly recommend like trying to find an entry point into metal that you enjoy. And then like, you can always text us, email us. With, well, text us on Instagram, at dive email podcast. us at uh, yeah.
0: dumbdive at gmail.com
1: yeah dumbdive at gmail.com instagram is at dumbdive podcast twitter is at dumbdive let us know like if you want starting off points I can maybe recommend a few and if you found your starting off points but you don't know where to go from there let me know I can definitely help you there and yeah that's been that's been this episode about metal and I'm
0: Pranav. I'm Arvind. Thanks for listening.